0: Thank you for tuning in to Take a Coffee Break and Chill podcast. This is a true crime segment, and with any true crime segment, there will be disturbing information shared, so please take care while listening. All views and opinions expressed during this podcast are that of AC and Scully. We are not qualified psychologists or legal professionals, so all opinions are just that, opinions, and should not be considered any type of legal or psychological advice. And if you get your feelings hurt, eh. Hey, Scully. Do you know what I absolutely love about ViolinIvyBoutique.com? What? Plus sizes that are affordable, stylish, flatter my body, and the dresses have pockets. I was going to say and have pockets. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely love it. And what I love uh, about it is it also caters to like non plus size people so she has something for everybody. So how's your experience been with Violet and Ivy? I love
1: the cardigans and that no matter what you get she has options that you can keep changing the look so you can get the tank top and wear it with a cardigan or if it's summer you can just wear the tank top it's covering it's flattering you can pair it with a blue one you can pair it with a yellow one like you have multiple options it looks like you have this wide variety of clothes when you've got two or three options from her
0: I love it I yeah. absolutely love it and her nail designs are on point hand yeah, it's ridiculous. Painted. I can't believe
1: a person does that I
0: know She does it, Yeah. Hand-painted, press-on nails that are affordable. So if you're looking for a great style, check out VioletNivyBoutique.com. Hey, Coffee Breakers. It's AC. And it's Kelly. And we are here with you today for... Word or (laughs) Wednesday. And this is an AC Takeover... And I am reviewing the documentary that I found on Netflix called Catching Killers. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. This is um, different from how we normally approach things, because we normally approach things from like a victim's perspective. This approaches from law enforcement's perspective and how they caught the killer. Very cool. Which is a little bit different. Yeah. Um
1: Yeah, because it's usually victims talking about what they went through, so that's true, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is a little different, Um, but this one is um, Missing Men, Part 1 and 2, and it is about the Toronto village killer up in Canada. Hey, Canada. Hey, we have some Canadian listeners. We do. Hey, Canada. (laughs) Um, so it starts off um November of twenty twelve. Okay. And we're introduced like to like on the screen it shows a missing person's flyer. Mm-hmm. And the missing person flyer is of a person named Skanda Nataratam, And he was reported missing on November sixteenth of twenty ten. Oh okay. And then we meet Detective Debbie Harris, okay? She's the lead investigator, and she received a call from a detective from Bern, Switzerland, okay, who reported that he had information that Scanda had been kidnapped, murdered, and eaten by a cannibal.
1: In Canada? Or in Switzerland?
0: No, I don't know. So, from what I can understand... And we kind of get into this in a little bit. This detective, who was never named, out of Switzerland, was on this website that I'm getting ready to talk to and made a connection with somebody in Toronto. And okay. he was describing cannibalistic acts. Okay. So, But I'm going to go into much, much more detail. Okay. So, but first, we're going to get to know Detective Debbie Harris a little bit. So she joined the police force when she was 18, and she was working in the village when she received the phone call from Bryn. but... Can
1: you even, here, can you even join the police force at 18, or you had to be 21, don't you?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Okay. I was just thinking, I, I when you gave me that rundown before, I thought that's really young. It's really young. Coming in, but... I, I th- think so. I think here it's 21, like... Well, yeah. Because that's for carrying and everything else. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a long time with law enforcement.
0: Very long time. Very young to join yeah. law enforcement. More power to you, girl. <laughs> um, but also, Canada a little different than the U.S. It's so weird because it's kind of like looking at it's the upside down. Mm, okay. It, it's similar but different. Yeah. You know, although I'm sure Canada's like they're the upside down. For sure. (laughs) For sure. All day long. Yes. They're like, don't call us the upside down. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying it's similar (laughs) but different, you know. We're the upside down to Canada. Go ahead. We are the upside down to Canada. Although Canada, um, when we get into some of the the things that they do as far as investigations go, it's a little weird to me, but we'll keep going. All right. So, she was working in the village when she received the phone call from Bern, Switzerland. Um, And what the village is, is the heart of the LGBTQ plus community in Toronto. Okay. So, the Switzerland detective informed Detective Harris about a website called Zambian Meat, which is a website about cannibalism. So the detective in Switzerland had made contact with a user in Toronto under the username ChefMate50. It
1: didn't occur to me when you said it the first time. What's Switzerland got going on that they're investigating? Oh, I got no idea. I'm intrigued. Is there cannibal cops in all these
0: places? Or just cannibals. Well, who want to, like... Uh, Apparently this is a thing, and it's not even like... It's just weird to me. It, it's a th- it has its own website. Right. Which is concerning. It has its own website on the regular web. Can you imagine what it's like on the dark web? I didn't even realize that. I just assumed
1: dark web, but this is like, like a, a
0: regular website. You can do it today. I, I don't,
1: don't. I'm not. I, I'm not advocating I for that. I didn't know that. It, I just assumed. Like when you said it,
0: I was like, oh, it's dark. It's a dark site. But no, it's, it's a regular site. So. Okay. Okay. Chef Mate 50 had told the detective in Switzerland that he had kidnapped, murdered, and eaten a brown-skinned male from the village between 2009 and 2011. Which fits for Skanda. Yes, perfectly. So, Detective Harris stated that she started investigating the website. And as soon as she entered the website name, the front page popped up and it's two men roasting a woman on a spit.
1: Do you have to like disclose who made a website can like, like who, who you should have to have a name on it. Like Billy from Michigan made, <laughs> you
0: yeah. know, this yeah. site, like it should be, I have no idea. How does that just pop up one day? I don't know, but I have no idea. Like we have our own website and I had to put my actual identity in it, but I don't think it's like public, public knowledge. Yeah. Which I hope not. Cause I don't want people to have my address or anything yeah, like No, I don't that. think,
1: but. It seems like there would be somewhere to be able to look that and see it.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Okay, sorry. But anyway.
1: I'm just intrigued by this. Somebody's like, you know what? Today it's Tuesday. Let's make Sam meet. meat. Like,
0: and then just start getting. How do you recruit? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'll shut up. So, Detective Harris <laughs> said that she was sick, immediately sickened by yeah. the website. But. As she's looking through the website, she found an associated email address for Chef Mate fifty and that uh, of that username. So the email address was ChefMate50 at Yahoo dot you know, we're creative. <laughs> so Detective Harris was able to access the emails through Yahoo Canada. Okay. I don't know about their process, the warrants and all that. She just says she was able to access it through Yahoo Canada, but they're not real time. Okay. Like archived emails, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so she starts going through these emails and she said they were disturbing.
1: Well, he's on that site. So. Yeah.
0: The writer was sending emails to people all over the world detailing how he wanted to torture, kill, and then eat them. Detective Harris called the homicide unit and set up a meeting with them to discuss what she had uncovered. Okay. So, she continued to investigate, and the name provided by Yahoo Canada associated with the Chef Mate 50 email address was the name of James Brunton. James Brunton, who she did a background check on, was a family man who was married. He had a daughter. He had no criminal record. He worked at the local hockey arena, and he volunteered on a suicide prevention hotline. Jeez. So no red flags in the background. I mean, honestly, if you're looking at that, that's not really red flags on a background. Yeah. So the homicide team met with Detective Harris, And she gives them her packet of information and starts going through the presentation. And they decided that a team should be set up to investigate this potential cannibal in Canada. Yeah. So they called it Project Houston. So Detective Harris began looking into other missing person cases at this time, and she identified Abdul... Bazaar Fazi, who had gone missing from the village in December of 2010. And she also found that Majid Kahan had gone missing from the village in 2012. So there's three missing men from the village that we know of. Okay. So Detective Harris reached out to the IT investigators for assistance. And then we get to meet Detective Charles Kofi, which I just love Detective Kofi. So Detective Kofi made a user profile and went undercover on Zambian Meat, um, just to kind of look and see what was going on. So he could do the research to find mm-hmm. out like what kind, you know, all that. And he reported that he found people willing to be slaughtered and eaten—eaten, eaten, not eaten—eaten, eaten, and people who wanted to slaughter, okay? And he was able to create, like, a glossary of terms and define the hierarchy on the website. So somebody known as a long pig or identified as a long pig— was a potential willing victim, okay? A chef was a qualified cannibal, okay? okay? So a qualified cannibal, from what I can gather, is somebody who has, in fact, tried human flesh. Or
1: claims to, because there's no way to to verify. Yeah. Yeah,
0: or claims to, yeah, exactly. But they are saying, yes, I've done it.
1: Okay.
0: And a master chef, which is a qualified cannibal who... Has butchered and prepared meat before. Wow. Okay. I, mean, I used to love the show Master Chef with Gordon. I still Gordon, do. And now I'm just gonna look at it completely different. But so thanks for that. And I don't. We talked about
1: this briefly. I don't understand volunteering. To, like who who's going on there? And I
0: got no idea. I got. I can't.
1: But I would also who's over there? Like I'll cook you. Like I'm sorry. What? Like. Same. And then you said there was a email exchange between Brunton and, like, a bunch of people all over the U.S. Like, my follow-up question is, what was their reply? Was it like, yes? Or was it like, (laughs) stop emailing me, sir? Like, what was the...
0: Well, why are you on the website?
1: Well, I mean, absolutely. And I know some people just troll, but I also think... But I'm not trolling a cannibal. No. <laughs> I ain't doing it. I think that's a little too far. Like you don't poke crazy. Right. Like, yes. Or you can only
0: poke it so much. Right. I just, I don't,
1: I'm, my, my, what'd they say? Like, what? Well, what were the follow-ups? What were the reply emails? Because I'm just as intrigued that he's sending them right? as to what they're saying back.
0: Well, apparently they're down. I don't know.
1: And then I'd be offended I'm called a long pig. <laughs> I'm so offended. Like, call, some, call me something else. I don't know. Cow. No, I want to be like. Duck. Bougie meat or deli- delic- delicacy. I want to know. I want something bougie. I don't want just. Big. Yeah. Long pig. Short pig. <laughs> if you're short, is it short pig? Like, brown pig. If you're super big. Like, how does that work?
0: I don't know. I didn't get all those definitions. I'm just curious. I'm be. not Googling it, okay?
1: Oh, um, I'm not either, because I'll end up on the stupid site. Right. I'm mm. not. No.
0: So, Chef Mate 50 stated he was the real thing, reporting that he had tasted and consumed human flesh on multiple occasions. He went into great detail about how he had performed the slaughtering of human beings. Okay. So, Detective Harris and the team started to survey yeah. um, Brunton's home, put a surveillance team on him.
1: Yeah, trying to find some actual evidence or something.
0: Yeah. Right now, it's cannibal cop. Yeah, right, yeah it's thought crimes <laughs> right now, you know. So, in December, Detective Harris received judicial authorization to view all of Brunton's emails in real time. So, I'm assuming that's a warrant. Yeah. She saw an email about Brunton and his wife visiting his daughter in the United States for Christmas.
1: His daughter's grown?
0: Apparently. They realized that this was their chance to enter the Brunton's home to clone the computer without detection. Yeah. So Canada does this, apparently. Okay? So on Christmas Day... Detective Harris, along with a mobile command team comprised of tech teams, surveillance teams, locksmiths, crime techs, went into the Bruntons home. The tech team cloned his computer, uh, and they were only given certain authorization, so like they couldn't search the entire house, so it was just like for the computer. But if it's out in plain sight, I mean, I know that's how it is. For us, yeah. For us, I'm assuming, like I said, upside down, like same, similar but different. I just think it's crazy. They can go in your home. Without you knowing, they do not have to serve that warrant to you. No, they just whoop and whoop. Yeah. And to me, that's so creepy. I mean, I don't care. Like, you I can mean, search I, my stuff. I'm not... But yeah, I'm saying, but then I'm also like, like... Why are you in my house without me knowing it? Like, right. that bothers me. That by itself bothers me. Same. Like, I know they don't...
1: They're only, you know, for certain things, but still.
0: I know. But I guess you wouldn't want the cannibal to know that you're on to him. True. <laughs> so, fair, either way, it's just weird. So... I mean, it's more covert. It is very covert. It is very covert. Yeah. So... Detective Kofi gets the cloned hard drive. I wish they could saw your face. <laughs> He's so cute. Um, <laughs> he gets the cloned hard drive, and he started analyzing the data. And he came across a conversation um, where he described a cabin about two and a half hours north of Toronto with a la- um, with a large room and a table and three chairs. And he talked about killing people in the back portion of the cabin. He also described a hoist that would allow bodies to be drained of blood before butchering. So they started trying to locate this cabin, all right? Yeah. So while they were trying to narrow down a location of the cabin, Detective Harris remembered Scanda's phone records that showed that he made a call from the Bancroft area two days prior to going missing, okay? So Bancroft is about two and a half hours away from Toronto and it's dense woods, all right? So the police started flying drones, searching the area, trying to find the cabin, but the forest was too dense to really see and make out details of the cabin Mm -hmm. at that time. So they decided to put boots on the ground, and then we meet Detective Josh McKenzie, who is also Precious. His official title. Precious. So (laughs) McKenzie had been Detective Harris' partner for about three years, and he is described as like the farm boy. Like he likes being out in the field, you know, put him in the woods. He's happy, that kind of thing. So he was all down to go search for this cabin. So Detective McKenzie... And took a unnamed investigator with him. We never get to know the identity of the investigator that he took with him. Okay. Um, and they hit the woods of Bancroft. So while they're searching the forest in Bancroft, Mackenzie notices a purple ribbon tied to a tree, and then another, and then another. And then he realized that someone was marking a path to a more secluded area. And I let me tell them their little thing. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, so when you told me this part, I looked it up because we all seen the ribbons around the trees and stuff. And apparently, like, if you see it, like, in somebody's yard or something like that during a certain time, it's for, like, cancer awareness. But from what I, what I gathered, if it's, like, out in the middle of nowhere, it is a, like, a trespass
0: thing. Yeah, no trespass. Like, don't, don't enter. Yeah. So. Um, as they're following this path of purple ribbons tied to trees, they hear a gunshot ring out. So they slow way down because they know it's not hunting season. And... There should be no guns. And who's out there. Right. See yeah, how we're not alone, you know. So they just start very slowly scanning and walking and all that good stuff. When Detective McKenzie notices a pulley system suspended by a wooden beam to a tree with a hook that can be raised and lowered and with the pulley. Yeah. Just like what was described in the email of the hoist. He looks past this pulley system and what does he see? A cabin. So the two investigators separate and start like surrounding the cabin. Right. Um and start peeping through windows and stuff like that. And they saw a table and three chairs, just like what was described in Brutton's emails. Mackenzie was toward the back of the cabin when he noticed a big fire pit with a metal grate, like from a fence, on top of the fire pit, like a barbecue, like a homemade barbecue. Yeah. Near the fire pit, there were several boots and shoes nailed to a tree. Some of the shoes had burn marks on the toes. I get
1: a cabin, and I understand a <sighs> pulley system, because if they are hunting out there at times, you would use that for that.
0: Yeah, but what you hunting? <laughs> like that's where I go. True. Why you got the all this?
1: shoes? Yeah, is where I'm like that. Don't make no sense. Could they link the cabin to Brunton
0: I'm assuming because that's why they were like looking for it. Well, I know they were looking for it because it never discloses. It never confirms okay. one way or the other.
1: Like I didn't know if it's like property records he owns or wife owns. I have no idea.
0: So, McKenzie searched for an area to get cell phone service. He calls Detective Harris and reports um, what he finds. And she's like, take the shoes so they can try to pull DNA. So, that's what happens. A few days later, Detective Harris was checking Brunton's emails when McKinsey brought her the DNA results from the shoes. The DNA was negative for the three missing men, or any sample that they had listed in the national database for a missing persons. For missing persons, yeah. So it was a slowdown. Like they they couldn't move forward with anything because right now they don't have any evidence of anything. It could have been his buggy shoes. Like they don't know. To check
1: the cabin? Do we know if they went in the cabin? No.
0: As far as I know, they never went in the cabin. This is back the last you hear of the cabin. Just tell you that. Okay. Just, if y'all keep thinking I'm going to circle back, no, because nah. <laughs> yes. I kept thinking that they're going to circle back. No. Yeah, I mean,
1: that would be mine. Did you check the ba- Is there a back room? Is it, in fact, even or his?
0: Has he been across Is it a buddies and he's been out there before? Like Got no idea. I'm going to assume that they answered all those questions. Yeah, they just didn't put it in. They just didn't put it in this documentary. Well, now I'm wondering. I know. So if y'all could do a follow-up. <laughs> so while... Well, all the DNA stuff's going on. Kofi continued to search um, the clone computer for evidence. And he found a series of emails um, where Bruton was talking to a young male and he found this weird contract, okay, that was signed in 20, um, October of 2009. And the contract was basically this 15-year-old boy promising himself to Brunton when he turned 18 that he could essentially kill him, torture him, and eat him. Um, which highly concerning. Yeah. So Detective Harris contacted the Child Exploitation Unit who was able to trace the boy's address to Colorado. Why would you... It's like trying to get a
1: legal, an illegal act legal... So basically saying, like, I know murdering you is legal,
0: but... If you sign and say I can do it, maybe I got caught. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's exactly it. That's what I was
0: thinking, like, like well... E- either way. You
1: signed. You said I could, but it's like, that's not how that works.
0: So I think it's more of a, like, a psychological play for the kid, just to be honest with you. Oh, like, you have to do this because thing. Because you signed this, da 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 Oh,
1: Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, a mind...
0: It's like a mind f. You to the kid,
1: basically say, you, "Will you sign this? So since if you don't comply, I can sue you." And the kid is 15, and it's has now, no
0: idea. Yeah, like he's just trying to get some control and some leverage on the kid. Got it. That's the way I take it. I mean, I can be completely no. Wrong, that makes total sense. That's what I think. Um, but they 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 were able to trace this kid down to Colorado. And law enforcement made contact with the boy to first verify that he was okay and he wasn't missing or anything. But can you imagine being that parent?
1: I'm going to beat your tail if I find out you're on Zambia meet promising yourself to some dude. (laughs) (laughs) How old's Brunton?
0: In his 60s, I think. I
1: don't care if he was your same age. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. No, we're fine. So, (coughs) um... Oh, you're fine. So, the boy stated that he had actually no intention of honoring the contract, but he had signed it because of pressure from Brutton. Like he kept, like you gotta sign it. Then, uh, pressure. But he also stated that Brutton had asked him for nude photographs. So Kofi starts digging deep into this computer at this point. This clone yeah. computer. Well, that's taking a turn. Yeah. And. He comes across a file entitled May 1st, 2003. And he pulls it up, and he realizes he's watching a video. And the video is from a boys' locker room in a hockey arena. <coughs> Brunton had been filming them while they were changing.
1: His place of work.
0: Yes, his place of work. So, with this discovery of him actually filming the boys at his place of work changing while they're, you know, it's just they didn't know it was there. Yeah. So, the the, the team now is really, like, under the gun to get this guy. Mm -hmm. So, they decided for an undercover officer, Kofi to go in to Zambian Meat. <coughs> it's like when we go to record. <coughs>
1: okay. I'm going to sit there, but I'm going to keep listening.
0: Okay. Good. Okay. Um, as you can see, we're not feeling well this week. <laughs> she
1: keeps getting a tickle.
0: Okay. Under the gun. Under the gun. And Kofi was going to um, go under Zambian meat um, under the guise of a long pig, so a willing victim, and try to set up a sting okay. to to get him. <coughs> so as soon as Kofi's profile went live... Chef Mate 50 sent an email to Kofi um, wanting to chat. Does it alert? Yeah. So, like, if you're a new person, it would tell them? Yeah, new whatever in this area. I can't, I don't, I picture, and I don't know, this this is just my head, right? But I picture, like, a sale, like, news alert from, like, a grocery store. Like, Like
1: long pig?
0: (laughs) That's what I think, you know? buttocks available. Like, I don't... You know, I don't...
1: That's
0: fair. I don't know. I, I thought it was either that or he's, like, combing through the users. It could be either or. But in my head, that's how this works. There's, like, flashing sign. There's an alert. There's a ding. On sale now. I long wonder pit. if it is a thing you check. Ma- I'm, like, I'm here as a chef or I'm here as a master chef or I'm here I, as a long pit. Like... Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's my impression. Yeah. So... They started chatting. Um, Kofi was like, "Yes, I want again. I want to be slaughtered and all this." And Chef Mate went into great detail talking about exactly how he wanted to torture and slaughter and then prepare him. And he's like, "Yes, let's do it." <laughs> and so, so many questions. <laughs> and so the Kofi, the undercover officer, uh, agreed. And he gave details about the flight that he was coming into Toronto on on May 11th, and Broughton agreed to pick him up from the airport. Okay, so on May 11th, 2013, Detective Harris assembled a team of different special specialties outside of the airport. She had hostage negotiators in case something went wrong, a SWAT team, snipers on the roof. Did he present himself uh, underage or as age? It doesn't say. So I'm assuming as age. Okay. Um, She had a mobile command teams outside of the Brunton home. Um, Brunton drove out of his driveway in time to go pick up this person from the airport. So about the time that they estimated he would have to leave to pick the guy up from the airport, he pulls Did out. Did he buy the ticket, Brenton? No. Okay. So um, he went and hit Highway 115 to 401, which is the exact route that he would need to take from his house to get to the airport. Um, the whole time the mobile team is reporting back to Detective Harris and they report back to Detective Harris that he has gotten off the highway and pulled into the shopping mall and got out of the car. So the mobile team follows him into the mall and reported that he was in the bathroom When Bretton leaves the mall, he gets on 401 East instead of West. And they follow him all the way back home. He goes back inside and doesn't come back out. And we talked about this. Like, we think something. I think he knew they were following him. I think he got either cold feet or he just had a hunch or a bad feeling. I think either he had never done it before and this is going to be his first real time. Yeah. And he got cold feet and backed out. Or
1: see I wondered if maybe he saw the plane, he's paranoid already, or the air the chopper, yeah, and just was like, that's weird, never seen that, and then maybe he started looking around into mm, these
0: stopped. cars, and then this this one followed me into the mall, right. and then that kind of thing, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, I something. really don't know something, or happened. it's it's just a case of he freaked out because there's no way that he was leaving his house at the exact time he would need to leave his house and went to the mall to use the bathroom and came straight back home. Like you ain't not going to explain that to me. Is there any way that makes sense unless your toilet's out at home? He wouldn't go that far. He'd go to a
1: gas station. Right. But then it did not make me pause. Had he done that before? And was he going to like snoop a bathroom or something? Cause he's recorded boys before. Oh, maybe. I didn't think about something like that. Like, going in there to scope out. Like, can I put my camera here? Or just being a creeper, just seeing who came in there. Like, how long did he stay in there? We don't know. No, I don't know. So, I wonder if it's something like that, too. Not saying that he wasn't going. I think he was going to the airport. But, like, in addition to doing
0: that, he was gonna go here and something happened. Maybe. So... Detective Harris is obviously upset that this sting didn't go as planned. Right. And she knows she can't wait any longer. So they go and arrest him on child exploitation and child pornography charges. And they bring him to the station. And Detective Harris is actually the one that interviews Brunton. And um, she said when he walks in, he has his head down. And he doesn't look at her and she's reading off his list of charges and she tells them that they even have evidence that he is admitted to killing someone online. And Detective Harris said that his whole demeanor changed. And he said all the cannibal stuff was fantasy based and that he had never actually done it. In what way it changed, like a Like he was proud of it is what she said. Uh, like he was proud that he he was ashamed of the child stuff. But he was proud to be a part of this cannibal community. That's so weird. I
1: know. It just gives you pause, though, with the whole you don't know people. Because it's the same way as the don't pick up the phone. The gentleman that went in there with that girl, they ended up doing all those awful things to her. Was a high-standing member in the community. Went to church. Did, like, Sunday school and the whole nine. This man is doing stuff with the kids at hockey and
0: on the suicide prevention hotline right. and yeah <coughs> so um detective Harris said he couldn't prove that he had actually killed anyone they searched his home again and they didn't find anything in relation to the missing man or any kind of evidence that he killed anybody but they did find more stuff for the child exploitation <coughs> stuff so at this point, the investigation just goes cold into the missing man. Never mentioned asking him about the cabin? Never. Never, 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 never. Just had to throw it out there. You said it didn't circle that. Nope, nope. Did not. So James Brunton did go to court for the child exploitation charges. It doesn't give me a date, but it said that he was given time served and three years of probation, and at that time, he was 65 years old. At 65, he got the three years? Yeah. So, Detective Harris retired from policing shortly after. She said the case had just, like, really taken a toll on her. And she was a single mother of a teenage daughter, and she wanted to be there for her kid. And she decided, they decided that it was best for her and their family if she retired from policing.
1: Understandable and commendable.
0: Yeah. So... (laughs) Detective Harris said that she would still just go walk through the village, and she would think about the missing man often. It just kind of haunted her. Um, and about two years after she retired, she got a call from her former boss stating that it had happened again—the more missing man. I was like a cannibal or <laughs> no? Another missing man. So, out of the village. Out of the village. So we cut to July of 2017. And it's Detective Kofi, um, and he informs Josh McKenzie, the what was Detective Harris's partner, okay. um, saying that two more men had gone missing from the village—one by the name of Andrew Kinsman, and another by the name of Salim Asin. So, a new task force is developed, and Detective Harris wanted to go back to Moonlight. But her new employer was like, no, we're not doing that. Like, I'm not going to give you the time to moonlight. So she didn't go back. But she said that she watched the case through the news clippings, like, religiously. I'm sure she was obsessed. Yeah. Um, So we met Detective Dave Dickinson, who was assigned to the lead investigator. And he had been in homicide for five years. But this was going to be his first missing persons investigation. So, Detective Dickinson reviewed all the case files, and it was difficult to get started on Saleem Essene because he was homeless, he was unhoused, and they just didn't really know where to start with
1: him. We talked about that before, it's hard to, for somebody transient.
0: Yeah. So, Andrew Kingsman was last seen at Andrew Kingsman's apartment. So, they started there. Um, Detective Kofi searched Andrew's apartment and noted that he had plenty of food stocked and that it didn't appear as if he had planned to take a long trip. Like, he found his computer room, and in his computer room he found a calendar, and it was still on June, okay? Andrew went missing on June 26th, all right? So, Kofi looks for that date on this calendar and finds... (laughs) That you called him
1: coffee.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, Kofi. I'm so sorry. I
1: think you did that when you ran it
0: over. Probably because in my mind it's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kofi um, looked on June 26th and noticed that the calendar had 3 p.m. and the name Bruce written on it. So we have a time and a particular person. Okay. Um, so the first thing that he did was go about finding out who Bruce was and determine if he was involved in the disappearance. So how do you do that? You pull surveillance, so they started pulling surveillance off of the buildings around uh Andrew's apartment building and um well, that's assuming he even came to the building. oh yeah, but where they roll that out? yeah, they're trying to find a place to start. <laughs> Um so they start pulling this footage um for the day that Andrew went missing. <laughs> and they start the footage at about two forty five and really didn't see anything of note on the footage other than there was a red Dodge caravan just kinda hanging out across the street. Like somebody's in it, like it's not running, it's just parked, or you can see somebody in it but you can't tell who it is, that kind of thing. Three o'clock came and passed, and nothing happened. Nobody came out of Andrew's apartment at that point. Nobody went in, but at three o seven, somebody came out of Andrew's apartment, believed to be Andrew, but the surveillance footage is crap, so all you can see is this larger man, and Andrew was about um six foot three to six foot four, about two hundred fifty pounds, <coughs> so a larger man, That's,
1: yeah. I mean, you can kind of rule that out,
0: right? Yeah. So they believe that it's him, just based on build. And they see this man, this bigger man, go and get into the red Dodge Caravan. The van pulls off. And they don't know who's in the van. So Kofi took a still image of the van to a Dodge dealership. And the manager immediately was able to identify the ba- the van as a 2004 25th anniversary edition of Dodge Caravan. So now they had everything they needed to do a search for the owner of this van. Okay, yeah. they had make, model, year, color. You know, Way to go
1: dealership.
0: right. And you know your stuff. Right. So Detective Dickinson requested records for all red 2004 Dodge Caravans in the Toronto area. He got six thousand one hundred and eighty one results back. He then did a name search for Bruce and that narrowed the results down to about five. <laughs> so yeah. And I was
1: really surprised by this because what are the odds of using your actual name?
0: Well, like, it's a legal car.
1: So I know, but for whoever you're
0: meeting. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> No, that was dumb. So, um, <laughs> he did background <laughs> checks on all five. Four out of five, there was no really red flags that popped up. But when he started searching the fifth one, he came upon Bruce MacArthur, who, had, who was 66 years old and had recently received a pardon from a 2003 conviction where he had assaulted a man with a pipe. Um, and in 2016, he also had another violent encounter with another man in the back of his 2004 Dodge Caravan.
1: Does the pardon mean that he did time
0: and I then it was pardoned
1: so. out? Because isn't that usually how it works? Like you get, you released early, essentially.
0: Yeah, that's how it works down here. Okay. So that's why I'm a assuming similar. general thing.
1: Yeah. I got issues with who pardoned that. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like so a,
0: here is the governor's. I know,
1: but that's like a weird thing to pardon.
0: Yes. Like I, I get
1: like,
0: I get like a, uh,
1: marijuana you caught with that or something. They pardon you. Like but for
0: assault with a pipe. Yeah. That that's just like, seems like, I know. I think you need, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I don't know. and I don't know the circumstances around the pardon or the circumstances <laughs> of the case. True. So, the same van, um, but anyway, the same van that he assaulted this other man in in 2016 was, this believed to be, the same van that Andrew Kingsman was last seen getting into on the surveillance. So, Detective Dickinson put surveillance on MacArthur, and they quickly found out that he was... Um, a landscaper but when Dickinson went with the team and told them like this is who I think we need to like focus on for right now and he said the name Bruce MacArthur McKenzie remembered that he interviewed him in 2013 and McKenzie told Dickinson that MacArthur had volunteered to assist with the investigation into the first three missing men MacArthur reported to McKenzie that he um, had known Scanda through a friend and that he had actually dated Majid. So, Mackenzie said that he was forthcoming, made good eye contact, and gave no reason for him to believe that he was doing anything else but aiding the investigation. But he didn't do a background check.
1: I thought it was always suspect when somebody just inserts themselves.
0: Absolutely, 100%. Like, I thought that were Like, they was either it. nosy or they're part of it. That's okay. one of the two. That's where I go.
1: And I know you've told me, but.
0: The age for all these men is around the same, correct? It's 40s to early 50s. Okay. So middle age. Okay. That hurts my soul to say, but whatever. Um, Through surveillance, the team learned that he was a landscaper, and he attended to a lot of addresses in Midtown Toronto, which is the higher end of Toronto, higher end properties. And that he had a routine set for his landscaping. He was separated from his wife, but he also had adult children, and he had grandchildren. Okay. So Dickinson said that Bruce was a little boring to watch, and he really had doubts of whether or not that they had identified the correct suspect.
1: Same thing, day in, day, 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 out. day out.
0: Day in, day out. So Dickinson asked Kofi to see if he could find surveillance footage of Andrew and MacArthur... Together, perhaps at MacArthur's apartment building. Okay. <laughs> so Kofi went to MacArthur's apartment building, which is a multi-level, freaking massive apartment building. Okay. It's like more than nineteen stories. Oh, wow. So when I say huge, it's huge. Um and he was trying to get footage from June twenty sixth, the day that Andrew had gone missing, but the video had already been uh, written over, so he couldn't. But he was able to watch from a few weeks later, and he was able to identify MacArthur's parking spot. Okay. And as he's watching these videos, he notices that he goes leaves the same day, you know, leaves the same time, comes back at the same time, very <coughs> routine, right? but on August 17th he left and he doesn't come back that day
1: is that the day
0: no Uh. Andrew went missing on June 26 and Celine went missing in April Mm -hmm. but he come back on August the 18th with a brand new van so immediately they're like "Mm -mm, gotta find this van so Detective McKenzie grabs his new partner Um, Since Davey left, and that's a man by the name of Detective Patrick Palate. Okay. They thought that he, they immediately thought, well, he scrapped this van. So they start looking at scrapyards. And they go to the first few wrecking yards, is what they call them, and nothing. But when they hit the fourth, they found it. The trunk was open and the tires were missing. So they did a visual search of the van. Well, it's a wrecker yard, so they're going to start pulling parts. The
1: wreckers took the...
0: Yeah, 100%. They found stains on the carpet, and they immediately sealed the van, took possession of the van, hoping to find DNA evidence. So... They took swabs. Dickinson received a call from forensic Science Unit saying that they had obtained Andrew Keensman's DNA in blood in the van. <laughs> However, the blood was only the size of about a dime.
1: Sounds
0: if not great. less. Yeah. So not much. Which would be very easily explainable. Not enough to say he was murdered in this van. Okay. So it wasn't enough to arrest him. MacArthur. All right. But they've tied them together through DNA in the van.
1: I just thought of this. Why didn't he insert himself in Andrews? I don't know. Because he said in the last one he dated that guy. He was good friends with this other one. Mm-hmm. It seems as though he would interject himself in this one to be like, oh, we were supposed to have coffee and he never
0: showed. Or Nothing. No, not a piece. Interesting. So, Dickinson thought there could be additional evidence on MacArthur's cell phone or computer. So, he got one of these clandestine warrants um, to to search the apartment while he was out. Um, They put a GPS tracking device on his um, new van to track his movements and set up a mobile command center. So, they watched him leave the parking lot and he drove about 20 minutes away and they didn't know how long he would be gone so they entered the apartment and they started searching. They started cloning the computer and P- Pele was searching like visual search and he saw a rope, gloves tape and a metal bar in MacArthur's back bedroom so he's taking pictures okay. um, and swabbing these items alright so after about an hour and a half MacArthur starts driving back into the direction of his apartment and they all freak out
1: Yeah,
0: because they got to get out. We're not ready. We're not ready. We're not ready. They were able to get out. Um, just as MacArthur was like one or two minutes away.
1: Did they get the full clone?
0: They did not get the full clone. Nope. Cause it was going to take about three and a half hours to get the full clone. And they only had about an hour and a half. Okay. So Kofi begins to analyze the clone <laughs> computer. And to begin with, there was nothing that like, stood out among the files Um, but then he started noticing that there was metadata that indicated that there was a vast amount of pictures that had been deleted so then he goes about trying to recover the deleted items which is from what I can understand a very long frustrating and painstaking process like a huge puzzle that you have to put together so, Kofi's working on this for weeks on end. He describes getting, like, two to three hours of sleep each night. He brought in his own coffee pot. Uh-huh. Like, you, you know.
1: you.
0: Yes. <laughs> I told you, I like Kofi. <laughs> and finally, after a few weeks, he's like, he kicks it over to one of his colleagues in the in tech division. And was like, look, pick up where I left off. I've got to have a day. Yeah. Like, I've got to have a break. So... He's taking his break. He gets a call from his colleague. And his colleague tells him <laughs> that he has believed that he recovered um, a photo of a deceased male.
1: Oh, why would you take a picture?
0: Oh, he took a lot of them. Um, so Kofi immediately heads back into the office. And he was able to identify Salim missing. Oh, wow. Who went missing in April. And Kingsman went missing in June. So, hold on a minute. Oh. So, Kofi <laughs> reported that you could just tell by the positioning of the body that he was deceased. Like, so Dickinson was able to identify it, it the background of the picture as MacArthur's bedroom by his unique headboard and bed, because it's a metal headboard and a metal bed.
1: He killed them in his home, or had them in dead, deceased in his home?
0: Well, there was appeared to be like a metal pipe, and it appeared that the metal pipe was used to tighten the ligature around his neck. So I'm assuming he was killed in the bedroom. And they started finding other photos of deceased and murdered men. There were men and photos that had not been reported missing. So while Dickinson was preparing the arrest warrants, he received a call from the surveillance team on MacArthur, okay, because he's being surveilled the whole time. MacArthur had just picked up a man and was heading in the direction of his apartment. Dickinson drove as fast as he possibly could to get to that apartment because he just knew that it was his new victim. Oh, for sure. Um, so, Pelé went inside with Dickinson, and you as luck would have it, all of the elevators were down except one in this huge building with 19-plus stories. So they're waiting on this elevator, and you can just, like, as they're telling it, you can just kind of see. It's like they're, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... They finally get up to the 19th floor where MacArthur's appointment was. Of course, was. he's on
1: the 19th floor. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He couldn't be on like the fifth.
0: Yeah. Where, where are you?
1: 19 flights.
0: 19 flights, yeah. Okay. I thought
1: they could have taken the stairs, but nah, they I mean,
0: they could, the but they wouldn't have been able to fight when they got up there. Yeah, like, no,
1: you, come <laughs> here.
0: So Dickinson knocks on the door. There was a long pause, and they finally heard somebody reply Hello, who's there? And they busted in. And they took MacArthur into custody and put him in handcuffs. And Dickinson told him that he was arrested for first-degree murder.
1: Could you imagine being the dude in the apartment?
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait We're we, we almost there. Uh-huh. Um, so Dickinson went to MacArthur's bedroom where he found the male bound oh, and blindfolded. <laughs> so he was actually going to be the next victim so yeah can you imagine you were saved so they freed him and they started searching the van and in the apartment they found a fur coat and in many of the pictures there were the men who would be naked otherwise other than in a fur coat so they found the fur coat it's really weird yeah well i think i don't know this man's got issues um they also found the the metal pipe okay um, he was taken to the station Dickinson was like I want to talk to him like I'm mad you know <laughs> and it's just he's like it's just it's not going to go the same way that normal interviews go because I'm mad and then he's like he's te- it's just cute to me because you would think he'd be like Brah. and he's like tell me where they are and it's just like aw yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's not how that went here <laughs> but um So he's demanding to know the identities of the men they haven't identified, and he just wouldn't say anything. So Dickinson knew that MacArthur tended to properties that backed on to green spaces, and they knew that Mallory Crescent was a property that he visited almost every day, and where he also stored his equipment. So they took the K-9 units out to search, to help search, to hit on. Yeah cadavers. So the dogs focused on planter and the team including McKenzie and Pelé began going through the sole of the planters layer by layer and they saw a bone, so they knew at that point. (laughs) So they keep searching these planters and they found six bodies in the planters but before they're done excavating the property and all that there was a total of eight men and I'm going to read their names okay Skanda Nataratam Abul Abdul Falzi Majid Kahan Sharush Mahamundi because I can speak Um, Karushina Kumar Dean Liss- Lissowick, Selim Asin, and Andrew Kingsman. Um, so, um, Kumar was a refugee from Sri Lanka mm-hmm. and he was never reported missing because they presumed he was in hiding. Um, Dean was never reported missing either. So, um, they talked to Detective Harris and the really sad thing for her, like, it's all sad, but the most disturbing thing for her was she lived in the area that he worked, that this property was in. Oh, wow. So, it bothered her.
1: Yeah, it's close, right under her nose.
0: Right, that's exactly what she said, right underneath her nose and she'd been looking for him, you know. Yeah. So, on January ninth, 2019, MacArthur pled guilty to eight counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. They did an independent review of the Toronto Police Department's handling of the missing persons cases, and that was published in 2021. It noted serious systemic deficiencies in the way the investigations were conducted stating that the failure to check MacArthur's criminal background when first interviewed resulted in a lost chance to identify him as the killer early on. I mean, yeah. It did, but...
1: It was like a small oversight that cost him more life.
0: Yeah. So, that's the Toronto (laughs) village killer. Um... And I just thought it was a wild ride. It is. Like, how do we go from, like, possible cannibal?
1: And wh- whose shoes? Yeah, we all know. Whose shoes are stuck out in the middle of the woods?
0: Don't know. Because
1: <laughs> even by that, people aren't reported missing. Right. So who 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 do those shoes match?
0: Got no idea. Probably some hunting bunny buddies got drunk and just messing with people. But it by is. The-
1: well, the cannibal guy describing that thing too drives me crazy. Like describing that cabin.
0: Yes. He's either to been a out tea. there
1: with a buddy, or that's his cabin. And then I don't think he's actually killed anybody. I think he's just another cannibal cop, want to be like a run in his mouth and living this extra life on the side. But I'm I'm intrigued. I mean. Maybe there is something to it.
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm upset he only got three years probation time served for I all know. the child exploitation. Boy, mm.
1: I'd like to see what the parents said to the 15 year old. Oh. He'd never have social media ever
0: again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, what you doing on a Like, why are you on a cannibal si- therapy t- today after I beat you?
1: Right. <laughs> and then you don't. It, then you, your therapy's in person. You don't even get to virtual.
0: Right. Like,
1: you lost all privileges to anything connecting to the, the internet.
0: internet. You are gonna go back to being in the eighties, baby? Right. You don't even get Alexa. Like, you right. can,
1: if it if it can go on there, you don't get it.
0: Yes. I just yes. I don't so.
1: understand.
0: Well, if we make it till Friday, y'all, you'll have a free for all. Night. <laughs> Bye.